It's Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father would treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is God's word. Evening, everyone. Uh, let me add my welcome. If we've not met, my name is Matt Fuller. I'm the vicar. And uh, if you are joining us this evening, we are just the third of three. We've just begun the sort of uh, school year, uh, church year in um, uh, Matthew 18, Jesus' sermon on the church in Matthew's gospel. Three uh, hits we've had here. This is the third of three then on um, how Jesus builds his church. And he builds his church on forgiveness. Let me read, um, let me pray, and then we'll look at this together. Our great God and Father, here is the most wonderful news and a great challenge to many of us. Father, we pray we would understand the words of the Lord Jesus rightly. We don't want to misunderstand him. Pray we'd get that right. But more than that, actually, it's not super hard to understand this parable. To do it, uh, we need your spirit at work through your word to bring conviction, to bring strength, to bring the grace we need to live this way. Please be at work, Father. We do ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one thing this parable um, is very clear on is that forgiving people is really hard. 
It, all sorts of relationships in a marriage, letting go of hurt is difficult. In friendships, overcoming a sense of betrayal or, or, or being distant, someone letting you go, that's hard. Perhaps most difficult of all is forgiving parents. I mean, many of us here would have great parents. Many here will be delighted and very thankful for our parents. Some will have had pretty poor parents. Some would have had terrible. Just a few have had terrible parents. I think forgiving your parents is very hard. Sometimes forgiving your children uh, when they're adults is hard. There are plenty of relationships where forgiving is difficult. But the parable here stresses it is possible. Actually, it's always possible because all of us who know Jesus, all of us have been forgiven far more than we'll ever forgive anyone else. I heard a friend, a friend uh, this is early in the year, uh, before lockdown, who can remember such things, but um, uh, I was at a conference and a friend actually was, was speaking different passages, but was speaking on forgiveness. He told the story of Mary, which I scribbled down and, and stole, and uh, so let me tell you about Mary. Uh, Mary is a Christian woman. She was, um, uh, the, the guy met it and read this in a World Vision magazine. Mary had been paralyzed. She was in a, a home for paralyzed women in Lebanon. And uh, the reason was that years earlier, in the chaos that engulfs that state with some sort of desperate frequency, uh, she lived in a village, overwhelmingly Christian village, and uh, a, a raiding gang had come in and just brutally, brutally killed pretty much everyone. She saw 33 relatives die that day. Uh, she herself, a gunman came, put a gun to her head and said, you renounce Jesus. She said, I've been a Christian all my life. I'll die a Christian. And he shot her. But the bullet went through her jaw, out the back, but destroyed her spine. So she became functionally a quadriplegic. And um, the, the guy from World Vision heard Mary's story, just was in this home talking to them, and asked her, how do you handle that? How do you live having experienced that? And she said, I have forgiven my enemies because Christ has forgiven me. And I'm looking to find out who the man was who hurt me so I can tell him I forgive him. That's a very extraordinary story, I think, although you hear such things every so often. But Mary knows the truth of this parable. If you're a Christian, all of us have been forgiven far more than we're ever required to forgive anyone else. And that really is the point of it. As I say, this is the third of three then in uh, Matthew 18, Jesus' sermon on the church in Matthew's gospel. And it's really how Jesus builds his church. So if you've been here, verses 1 to 14, Jesus builds his church by crushing pride. All of us have to abandon our pride to become Christians. He builds his church by confronting sin, which was last time, verses 15 to 20. And he builds his church here when we forgive one another. That's how he does it. So the question gets asked by Peter. You've got to love Peter, Peter the blurter. Everyone loves a blurter. 
Peter comes to Jesus and says, all right, yes, forgiveness, super. Um, Verse 21, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Well, so we've just heard all about in the previous story, um, what do you do with people who don't repent? But here's someone who keeps on repenting. They, they commit the same offense against Peter in this case they, over and over again. How many times should I forgive them? Well, the standard teaching of the day was you forgive three times and then not four. Misapply a, a little verse in, uh, in the book of Amos, but that was what the rabbis taught in Jesus' day. You, you forgave someone three times, but the fourth time, that's it. So Peter, you know, he's learned a little something from Jesus. So, uh, How about it? Should I forgive someone seven times? Um, Big-hearted me. And Jesus says, no, 77 times. Verse 22. Now, Jesus isn't saying, now keep a track in your diary or on your phone, and uh, when it gets to 77, uh, that's it. He's basically saying, unlimited. You always forgive someone who repents and says sorry to you. And then he tells what, to my mind, is one of his most shocking parables, actually. I don't know if you noticed that when it was read. But these three three broad scenes to it, and here's how we'll look at it. Uh, An unpayable debt is forgiven, verses 23 to 27. It must affect us now, verses 28 to 30, for the unforgiving are judged, verses 31 to 34. Okay. An unpayable debt is forgiven. That must affect us now, for the unforgiving are judged. Strong stuff, this. Let's work through it, and uh, then hopefully spend a bit of time making sure we've understood how it applies to us. First, then, an unpayable debt is forgiven, verses 23 to 27. So Jesus says, um, verse 22, you must, uh, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Just keep, you must always forgive someone if they say sorry to you. Verse 23, therefore, what's the connection? Well, I think Jesus is saying, now this is hard, okay? Always forgiving someone is hard. Therefore, you need to know this. You need to understand this story, this parable. Okay, let me tell you a story, says Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, literally 10,000 talents, was brought to him. Okay. If you do the maths, you get a little footnote. It tells you a little bit about what a talent is and how much it is. It's not very hard to work it out. But 10,000 bags of gold, 10,000 talents. In today's, if you took a a sort of national average salary of about 25,000 pounds, 10,000 talents is about 5 billion pounds. Okay, about the GDP of the Bahamas. I mean, a pretty significant amount of money. Okay, so if you ever find yourself owing another individual five billion pounds, clearly you are in trouble. I think more the point is, he's a bit like Jesus saying, a man owned a king, sorry, owed a king a gazillion pounds. I mean, just a ridiculous amount of money. That's his point here. This is a vast debt. Well, verse 25, since he was not able to pay, the man was not able to pay. 
The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, that sounds a bit nasty. I don't think the master's angry. It's just the culture of the time. If you can't pay your debt, everything you own, your, your family are viewed as your possessions, everything you own. That just culturally would have been normative. Well, it's very alien to our ears, of course. The servant doesn't quite get how much he owes. So verse 26, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. You owe five billion pounds. How are you going to pay that back? I mean, there's an inconceivable amount of money to ever earn back. Look, oh, look I'm an accountant. I earn 50,000 pounds a year, perhaps, this servant. Uh, I owe you five billion. That'll take... Fred, how many years is that? I think it's 100,000 years. Is that right? I think that's right. Uh, on 50K a year to pay back five, five billion. Um, it's not, I mean, more than a lifetime is the point. There's no way you can pay that back. I mean, this is pathetic but, uh, uh, illustration, but years ago, uh, when I was a teenager, I worked at quite a posh hotel uh, near where I grew up, and a big hotel. And I remember one occasion, Christmas time, is pretty relentless with uh, big... Uh, expensive functions and uh, one of the city banks came in for their uh, Christmas dinner and there was a sort of 450 people sat for dinner and uh, they made the reckless mistake of I was part of the team serving the top table you know the the great and the good the CEO etc etc and this was a ludicrous you know money no object sort of affair and they had their sort of 10 courses and the wine and the champagne etc after dinner drinks i was bringing around all their after dinner drinks yes this whiskey worth whatever it is per glass yes 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 and uh, then it uh, came to the i think it was the ceo's wife and i knocked a sherry over her why was she drinking sherry you're asking i know i know i know but that's not the point i knocked this drink over her over her dress which no doubt had cost and um, she went nuts and uh, was shouting and screaming. And therefore, her husband went nuts and said, there is no way we're coming back to this place ever again. Oh, sorry, so sorry, so sorry. And the uh, manager came, calm down. I remember going to him a little after the event. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Fever, he's a fairly sort of agitated Greek character. Fever, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I said, I'll pay for the dry cleaning of the dress. And he said, you idiot. You don't understand. They spend a minimum of £60,000 every year on this one event. Are you going to pay me that back? Are you going to spend the rest of your life working here? No, thanks. Um, yeah, I can pay whatever, 25 quid to have something dry cleaned. I was 16. I was earning whatever it was, 20 quid a week in those days. Uh, I wasn't going to pay back 60K. This is much worse here. Five billion pounds. How do you pay that back? But the master does three things, even though the servant hasn't really got it. Verse 26, excuse me, rather, verse 27, the, master, the servant's master, he does three things. He takes pity on him. He cancels the debt. The verb is literally forgive. He forgives the debt, lets him go. He takes pity gives his debt and says, you're free to go. You're free to go. And it is, of course, a picture of God's extraordinary grace in saying to you and me, our in 
in rejecting my rule over your life. You owe a debt you can never, ever repay. But I'll forgive you. It's not easy for me to forgive you. It'll take the death of my son on the cross in your place to forgive you. But I'll forgive you. God the Father says he has pity on us. He forgives our debts and says you're free. Not just to go, but free to know me. You do know that, don't you? You and I owe debt. Excuse me, you and I owe God a debt we could never, ever repay. The insurance companies reckon it takes, uh, excuse me, it costs £100,000 in the UK nowadays for parents to raise a child to the age of 18. That excludes health care and childcare costs, excuse me, housing and childcare costs. So perhaps double that sum, they reckon easily. Can you imagine on your 18th birthday, hey, happy birthday to me, happy birthday to me, and uh, your parents give you a card, <laughs> what's the cheque going to be uh, inside? Is it the keys to a new car? Uh, no, it's a bill for £200,000, ouch, age 18. Well, God gives us everything, every breath you take, every moment of joy, every friendship of value, every opportunity, every success, everything. And when we reject him, he pays again far more in the death of his son. It is a debt we have absolutely zero chance of repaying through being good. As Claire mentioned, can't do it. Now, in Jesus' death, an unpayable debt is forgiven. It's wonderful grace. But the story doesn't end there, of course. Uh, so an unpayable debt is forgiven, but that must affect us now. Secondly, verses 28 to 30. Let's pick up the pace. Verse 28. But when that same servant who'd been forgiven went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Well, again, you can do the math. There's about a hundred days wages, again, on 25K. Let's call it about 7,000 pounds. Seven and a half thousand pounds, maybe. That's a lot of money. Someone owes you 7,000 pounds and says, actually, I'm not going to pay you back. I don't know about you. That would hurt. That would hurt my bank account. I just don't have that money to fritter away and not miss. So Jesus is saying, actually, to forgive anyone who wrongs you, it is costly. It does hurt. It isn't easy. It's part of the point of the parable. Jesus is certainly not saying Oh, follow me, become a Christian, and you can forgive anyone very easily. He's not saying that. It's always hard. There's always a cost when you forgive someone. But the expectation is that the forgiven will forgive. This man does not. So, uh, again... Uh, verse 28, he grabbed the fellow servant who owed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. Of course, we're meant to notice it's the same language, precisely the same language as uh, we had in verse 26. He falls to his knees, he begs, he says, be patient with me. 
But this first servant doesn't recognize precisely the same language he has used. And so verse 30, he refuses. Instead, he went off and had that man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. But when everyone else saw this, verse 31, when the other servants saw what had happened, they're outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Everyone else looks upon this and says, well, that's not right. You've been forgiven five billion pounds and you won't let someone off 7,000 pounds. That's not right. Because the expectation is that the forgiven will forgive others. Which brings us to the third thing. So an unpayable debt is forgiven. That must affect us now. For one day the unforgiving are judged. Verse 32. The master called the original servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until they should pay back all he owed. And verse 35 is clear. That's a description of eternity. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow. Yeah, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. But unblessed are the unmerciful. They're shown God's anger. Let me be clear. Forgiving others is not the precondition to be forgiven by God. God's forgiveness is free. But if you've received that, you will be changed so that you do forgive others. That's what Jesus is saying. And you'll be able to forgive them, verse 35, from your heart. Not superficially. Not, well, I've forgiven them, but I'll never forget. That's not from the heart. Not, well, I, obviously I love them because I have to, but I don't like them. That's not from the heart. None of that. Having this parable, two things by side by side, you have the extraordinary grace of forgiveness. But alongside that, the demand for forgiveness of others. Because Jesus thinks the grace of God will change you. The New Testament has no category for the Christian whose life is not transformed. They just don't exist in the New Testament. Oh, so you'll have those who declare they trust Jesus, but they don't. It's a false faith, a spurious faith. You have those. You have those who trust Jesus, but for a while are stubborn until they're convicted and realize they need to repent. You have those. But there is just no category for someone who says, I'm a Christian, but doesn't forgive others. No category for the, someone who says, I'm a Christian, but their life never changes. That's just a non-person. They don't exist. So those with, who have known the forgiveness that Jesus offers, the expectation is they will forgive. Question. If I find it hard 
If I'm a Christian and I find it hard to forgive others, what's going on? Look at three different characters. The first is like the man in this story, the servant in the story. The servant in this story is just not a believer. He's offered and given mercy, but he never understands it. He doesn't get what Jesus has done in dying upon the cross so that he can be forgiven, and therefore it doesn't transform his life. This man is a picture of someone who is not actually a Christian at all. He's only looking horizontally at what others owe him. He's never looking vertically at what he owes God. He's not a believer. Now, there are lots of people like that who find it quite easy to dwell upon what others have done to them, but will never consider what they've done to God. But offending him, it's worse than anything else. I'll just put it in these terms. Um, if you think of perhaps of, of, a, of, a, of a spectrum, um, if you spit upon a plant, it's an unpleasant thing to do. I don't know why you would do that, but um, no one really minds or complains. They might just go raise an eyebrow. If you um, spit on an ant, again, people might think, a bit strange, but they don't really think too much of it. If you spit at a sheep, some might say, well, you're cruel. Don't do that. If you spit at another human, that's unacceptable in every culture around the world. If you somehow happened to bump into and spat in the face of the queen, well, people would view that as even more unacceptable because, well, she's a person who has demonstrated noble character. She's an elder. You don't do that to your elders. And also, she represents something bigger than monarchy. That, that would be viewed as much worse. But to spit upon the face of God... Well, I'd keep off walking and walking and walking. It's a much bigger deal. The debt we owe God for ignoring him for most of our lives, that is enormous. There's some people, and the servant in this story is one, they're just not Christians. They're not believers. But for those of us who call ourselves Christians, let's think of another couple of characters. Secondly, there are some Christians who just stare at the wrong debt uh, in small things. So someone doesn't invite you to a gathering. Someone says, we're going for a drink after church and we're a six. And I'm afraid you're not in it. Uh, and you're offended and upset, uh, whatever that may be. You know, it, 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 it's not a big deal. It just hurts a little bit. Um, well, sometimes we can just stare at that and forget what we owe God. We just stare at the wrong debt, and that's why we find forgiving hard. So you just got to ask, which debt moves you more, the vast one you owe the Lord or the painful one someone owes you? Now, this is just so important in church life. That's why it comes up in this sermon on the church. So often, we just irritate one another. Not massive things. We just feel hurt, left out, badly treated, offended. 
No one's called for a few weeks. What? Those sort of things. I struck uh, a little while ago, um, one woman here said, uh, uh, so often she finds herself in conversations with uh, particularly other women at church, and they say, oh, that friendship is over. That friendship, they just upset me too much. That friendship with someone else at church is over. They've upset me too much. And she says, I find myself often saying, but hold on a minute. If you were married, what would you do? Would you just say, well, that's over. They've upset me. No, you'd, what would you do? Well, I'd have to work at it. Why do you treat friendships differently? Why do you do that? Why do you think in some relation, like a ma- obviously in marriage, you have to forgive people, but in a friendship, and you just move on to the next person, why do you do that? It's just not Christian. It's just not what Jesus expects. You forgive. Which debt do you look at? You need to remember you, have, you had an unpayable debt that was forgiven. Look on that one. And it strengthens you to forgive others. Last category, very briefly. There are some. There are some amongst us who are Christians and who have been greatly wronged. And let's be honest about that. The spouse who walks out on marriage after two decades for someone else, that's not £8,000 worth of hurt. It's not £80,000 worth of hurt. It cuts you vast, much more than that. The parent or the, the child who has been neglected, abused emotionally, physically by their parents, that's not £8,000 worth of debt. That's millions. It affects you forever. What about forgiving in the extraordinary cases or the hard cases? Well, Jesus says here, yes, it is hard, but it is possible. Don't confuse categories. You you may decide day one, I'm going to get to the point, I will forgive my ex-husband, my ex-wife. I will forgive them. And the next day, you have to decide again to forgive them. And the next day, you have to decide again to forgive them when the anger rises up. And after the years roll by, each day becomes a little bit easier. But it's hard. Jesus never says it becomes easy to forgive. Just that it's possible. And just because you've forgiven someone doesn't mean you don't get upset. It doesn't mean you don't still feel the shame. Those two things can still run side by side, you know. But you can forgive. You decide each day to forgive. It is possible. It's not very easy. But Mary knew it, despite being shot and paralyzed. And you can do it. Because all of us have been forgiven more than we'll ever forgive anyone else. There's extraordinary power, the grace of forgiveness. That is what strengthens us to offer forgiveness to others. Let me lead us in prayer. Great God and Father, you know the hearts of all of us sat here this evening watching at home. You know the debts that are owed us, the wrongs that have been committed against us, the things we find desperately hard to forgive. Father, would your extraordinary grace empower us day by day to forgive others, some of us 
we're holding on to small and petty things and we need to stop it and remember how much you've forgiven us. Some of us have been dealt grievous blows and it is hard. Strengthen us by the grace of your forgiveness to be able to offer forgiveness to others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.